This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 308, where today AC and I talk about some news and some giveaways. Recorded live June 20th, 2019. Struggling to reproduce problems in your code base? Successful software starts with Raygun. Raygun provides application performance monitoring, unlike anything you've experienced before, offering greater clarity around how your software is performing for your customers than any other APM provider. Easily detect and diagnose issues impacting end users and monitor every part of your stack in one place. It's time to get back to building great software instead of fighting it. Start your journey to better software quality. Try Raygun free at raygun.com today. AC. Hey, dude. How you doing? I am doing pretty good. And yourself? Excellent. Thank you. Very, very awesome. well. Yeah. Getting there. Anything, anything new in your world? Uh, my son is going, leaving elementary and going to middle school. So uh, is he like, did he just quit or did he graduate? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just decided it's boring. He's just going to skip the last few years and just go straight. No, he's finished with the elementary. So on to middle school. So that's our that's our world at the moment. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I saw some yeah. pictures of that on, on Facebook yesterday. That's, uh, that's a, a big milestone. It is for him. It's like... You know, changing schools and uh, and things. He's he really loves his school and his teachers and everything. So uh, it's a big deal for him. Yeah, so he'll, we, uh, he'll be in for a bunch of change next year. Ah, that's cool. We're in the same boat. A couple of years ahead of you, where we finished middle school. My son finished middle school and he's going to a different high school next year. So it's a whole big thing. It's crazy though, man. Because so you that just your little graduation was what yesterday? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So late June, and did he just get out of school this week then? No, it hasn't finished yet. No, it finishes at the end of this week. Wow. Okay, yeah, so we were out of school. We've been out of school for almost a full month. Yeah, yeah. Our summer starts later than yours. That's true. And plus we had snow days to catch up on, so anyway. Oh, yeah, you did have a boatload of those. It's later than normal this year as well. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my life. How about you? What's going on in your world? We're going to oh, see each man. other again. Yeah, we do. We get to, I'll be, I will be in your neck of the woods next week for well, flying all the way across the US for and then back for one day of meeting. So I figured last night I will be traveling for a total of about 17 or 18 hours for one day of eight hours of meetings. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Getting it Plus, done. The last week I was been I've been frantically trying to get wrapped up with some uh, a project that I'm working on for Microsoft. And then so one of the things that I do is I as part of the SharePoint PMP group, I babysit the the issue list. I babysit is probably a bad word or a bad way to say it, but I, I over yeah moderate. I oversee it, and that essentially kind of means, means I I triage it, I keep it organized. And in the last over the last few days, I came with a little bit of a different pattern for how we kind of label things. Some things were too generic, like when you put. It works the same way how like Azure does today as well, where if you go to the SharePoint developer docs on docs.microsoft.com and you scroll to the bottom and you put a comment, that goes into an issue list. Well, it goes into the exact same issue list in GitHub that people post like bugs and questions and all that stuff. Mm. And we were flagging all those things as just docs or as having a label of docs, but it was very different from, hey, this is a problem with the docs and this is an actual question coming from the docs.microsoft.com site. So... Mm. In the last, like, I guess, two days, I've been spending the time. First, we went through, created a new label, then went and took all the stuff that had figured out some nice, sophisticated GitHub queries to figure out, okay, these are all comments that were submitted. 
relabel stuff. And then now I'm kind of going back and you see like, there's a lot of comments on the docs that nobody responded to in well over a year. And so it's kind of cool because you go through it as you're running through, you see people like reporting problems that have already been fixed. And so we're able to like to knock out a bunch of issues. So, I mean, we've, I think we've closed, we, we started the day yesterday around like 850 some odd open issues or 860 some odd open issues. And I think I'm down in those 780s right now. So it's nice to see like, you know, cleaning it up and getting some work done and addressing some issues. Yeah. So nice. Oh, that's my good. job. I've got a funny story before we move on to the meat and potatoes of the show that I want to run past you. So a friend of yours, actually, Rob Walling, who I met many years ago with you actually in, at a build conference many years ago, he runs a podcast, Startups for the Rest of Us, which we've listened to for a long time. And he started a number of businesses, most recently of which is a business called Drip, which he's now sold and moved on from. But he wrote a article the other day and tweeted about it. And his tweet said, I don't write as much as I would like to these days, but a podcast episode that went live last week got me thinking about roadblocks, speed bumps, and the mental game of entrepreneurship. And I read it and it was a really interesting article. It was basically like, when you're in the middle of something, everything looks like can look like a roadblock, like a this is game over kind of thing. Whereas he talks about them being speed bumps in your journey and not being, you know, making mountains out of molehills effectively. And it reminded me of a funny episode I had at Microsoft years ago with Chris Capicella, who's the, now the chief marketing officer of Microsoft. And I replied and I just said, years ago when I was working on a keynote demo for Chris Capicella, now CMO MS, the demo started failing a few minutes before he went on stage. I was totally panicked, right? Uh, and this was in front of hundreds of people from the DOD, right, in a big session. So mm. I wanted to make this guy look really good, obviously. He turned to me and said, nobody out there knows. It completely calmed me, leveled my head. He went out on stage. I fixed the demo. He demoed it and everything was okay. Speed bump, not a roadblock. And I said, that experience always stuck with me. He taught me something incredibly important that day. Don't freak out and you'd be surprised at what you can achieve. Mm. It's always to this day reminded me of, like that experience has reminded me of like just trying not to freak out when things go completely sideways, which has stuck mm. with me. But he replied to this tweet and he said, I know a thing about a thing or two about demos failing spectacularly. Despite it all, I'm still here. And he linked off to the YouTube video that's quite famous of him and Bill Gates at the Windows 98 launch of demoing plug and play where he plugged in a printer or a scanner or something and the whole thing blue screened on stage. And it, and Bill just turns to him and says, I guess that's why we're not ready to ship Windows 98 then. And <laughs> <laughs> it was just like the most classic demo fail you've seen, like his famous demo fail, right? And uh, so he, he was in good spirits still about his, his demo failures. <laughs> and, you know, once you've had something like that, everything else seems to, uh, you know, can only go better from there, so to speak. So yeah, I a funny I, little story on Twitter this week that uh, I thought I'd share with our listeners. I saw you post that on Twitter and the exchange went back and forth. I had not heard it described like that. I thought Chris Cap or the way he said it to you at that time about the whole, you know, don't freak out. Nobody out there has a clue what's going on back here. So just take your time, fix it, and they won't have a clue. And you sit down, you listen to somebody present and they'll come in and you can tell they can be a little bit razz, you know, a little bit frazzled about something. But then they'll tell you about, you know, all the crap that went on that morning from them, which I get is a big deal to them. Mm -hmm. But I think that a lot of times they forget that 
I don't mean to sound crass here or, or I don't mean to sound Everybody rude, but yeah, no one gives a damn. Nobody yeah. came about what your problems are. It's like they came here for one thing. That's all they really care about. You can tell them a funny story or something like that, but it's... I want solutions, not excuses. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I hate excuses. Like Reasons are okay. Excuses I don't like. So Chris Cap is, he's just the consummate Mm. demo god, right? Like Mm. he's just a legend on stage and nothing flaps him. And like he went out on stage not knowing if his demo was going to work. And he just, (laughs) right before he went on stage, he just said, send me an instant message. I could put messages up on the note slides in front of him um, while he's doing his keynote. And he goes, just send me a message like, you know, a couple of minutes before I'm supposed to demo if it's a go or no go, right? And it reminded me of like those, those moments at Mission Control where they're like, flight, go, ecom, go, <laughs> you know, and all this. And so, <laughs> and so I just gave him the go on, on, the, on the note slides and he it just rolled in. And he would have been perfectly okay if I'd said no go. Right? Yeah. He would have just rolled through his keynote like there was nothing, nothing wrong. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's a legend like that. So, uh, yeah, when your demos fail, it's all about how you cope with it. Make it a speed bump, not a roadblock. It's a great way to say it. You know, and it's, well, you mentioned it about the whole go, no-go thing as well about stuff. I, there was one thing that I wanted to call out before we really started getting into the show here. And I know that you're, I know you're as pumped about it as I am. There's a podcast that is, I ventured to maybe make it one of my picks, but I figured, you know, you're going to call this out at the beginning. There's a podcast out by the BBC. We're coming up, you know, on, was it July the 20th, I think, is the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 landing on the moon. And there is a, um, a podcast by the BBC World Service called 13 Minutes to the Moon. It's how the first moon landing was saved, the story of people who made Apollo 11 happen. And they, all the episodes haven't been published yet, but I've been listening to this. I, I have a couple episodes into it. And man, I got to tell you, this might be one of the best done podcasts that I have ever listened to. I wish that our show was this good, um, but <laughs> it, it is so a it is, lot of work. <laughs> oh, it, it is so well produced. It is so well put on. The guy that is, it's like the main guy hosting it does such a great job. I love the fact that you're, we're going so much deeper into stuff that I haven't I haven't seen before. I mean, you hear the. There's videos and there's articles and stuff and there's movies that all talk about you know this concept and what happened in the behind the scenes, but they don't seem to dive that deep into this stuff. And it's like, and the the way he's doing this, this is absolutely fascinating. And my son's even getting pumped up by it. like that. We'll hear something. We kind of look at each other. Our eyes are huge in the car. Like, holy crap! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I've started listening to it as well. I'm almost completely current and uh, loving it. Very well done. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, it was a, I saw it come out. I was like, ah, oh, sweet. I got I'm looking forward to listening to this. Our friend Richard Dezerga mentioned it to both of us. And I was like, oh, that's right. I subscribed to that. I want to go listen to that. I started listening yeah. to him like, holy crap, this is really good. Really good. It also goes hand in hand. I'm building the Lunar Lander from Apollo 11, mm. uh, the Lego set. Well, I'm done. So it's on my thing. At, it's on my thing at home. It's a great set, but yeah, it all goes nicely hand in hand with the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, which by the way, you're here next week. We should go and see the Apollo 11 capsule, which is in Seattle right now. <sighs> Just saying. Apollo 11 capsules in Seattle? Yeah. Yep. It's at the Museum of Flight. Uh, and I've been making a making plans to go see it. But anyway, let's let's figure out a good time. <laughs> so 
Right before we hear from one of our great sponsors, let's hear from one of our great sponsors, Raygun, doing a giveaway that we wanted to mention to everybody. They're doing it exclusively for listeners of the show, so you should go and enter this. But basically, to celebrate the launch of their .NET Core support for their new APM product, you know, the the performance monitoring product, uh, they're giving away a prize pack for a Raspberry Pi to a lucky winner. And all you need to do is go to raygun.com forward slash cloud hyphen show. So with the little hyphen between the cloud and the show, raygun.com forward slash cloud hyphen show. And uh, Raygun will get in touch with you and let you know if you're the lucky winner. That's so awesome. that link in the show notes and all it requires is just go, you know, basically give them your email address and site your name and bits and pieces and um, you'll be in to win one of those prize packs. Awesome. That's really cool. So thanks, Raygun, for doing that. Uh, special, just yeah. for, exclusive, just for our listeners. Exactly. There you go. Very special. Okay. Speaking of sponsors, let's go hear from one of them right now. A 99.9% SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, and maybe even a dinosaur attack. Does it protect you from yourself, though? Avpoint Backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery from individual items to entire sites. Avpoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover any time you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why Avpoint is the Microsoft Cloud expert at www.avpoint.com. Are you being asked repeatedly to integrate different business systems in ever narrower timeframes and with increasing process complexity? What if you could standardize the way you build these business processes so your team are focusing on higher value tasks versus the nuts and bolts of running the processes and integrations? Nintex can make it happen. With a Nintex platform, workflows from person to person, system to system, to the cloud and back. Got a custom system you want to connect with? No-code extensions let you plug into systems simply and easily using REST and Swagger. With Nintex, work just flows, so your teams can work smarter, work faster, and be more connected than ever. Try it out free for 30 days at www.nintex.com forward slash try NWC. All right, AC, meat and potatoes of the show. I know there's been some news and bits and pieces going along this week that we should get into Anything in particular that you would like to kick us off with? Azure's getting bigger. How's that? Grass is greener. Sky is blue. Sun rises. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Rains in Florida, apparently. We're getting slammed today. Uh, (laughs) Sunny in Seattle? Oh, no. Okay, that's fake. That's not true, no. Microsoft (laughs) took a major step recently. We have their first data region, data center regions in the Middle East. They have Azure, uh, Microsoft Azure and Office 365 are GA from data center regions in the U- uh, the United Arab Emirates with plans for mm. Dynamics 365 and Power Platform to be, be available by the end of 2019. Man, the march of progress. They're so consistent with this geo deployment. Man, oh man, they must be spending billions of dollars on this. They love yeah, I still would love to find somebody that would come on the show and tell us like the business of running or standing up a new data center. Like, what does it look like without giving away trade secrets? But you know, well, I'm is... sure a lot of it is trade secrets. Sadly, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how they do it. Although you know, building a data center, the costs must be trade secrets, but they also can't be that far off from one another. But you know, it's probably like one or two percent difference. 
mm-hmm. is a huge difference. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's kind of like the difference between winning and losing in Formula One, right? It's or or Indy. It's split seconds, you know. And I bet the same as in data center delivery. Like the margins and the costs must be extremely closely held secrets. Yeah, I would expect so. I'm expecting more. Like, when I say the business, I mean like logistics. Like how do you? I'm sure there's cookie cutter type stuff that you can do with a new data center. I mean, it's a crap ton of hardware and they have automation software that manages a lot of stuff. And it's like, look, new record in the database. Yeah. But yeah. I wonder just like some of the other stuff about how do you, do you just turn it on and it's empty or do you start, like, does it all of a sudden start load balancing across places? And I, Yeah. Do you have to warm it up? You know, like, do you have to start deploying some sort of test loads to get everything fresh, you know? Yeah. Of Minecraft installs. Yeah, but <laughs> at home. <laughs> Go find aliens. Roll out a SharePoint search and start indexing some stuff. That'll warm it up. <laughs> <laughs> or in your case, just go deploy the OneDrive client. <laughs> oh hey, you know what, though? You know what, though? I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to call those guys out. I'm going to call them out in a good way. You know how I mentioned it, I think... I don't know if I remember yeah, on the show. Ran, right? Yeah, I, all of a sudden I looked over my machine. My machine would lock up and I had a VM running. I had to record a bunch of videos in the last week. And uh, I had to do it from Windows stuff. And so I had to have a VM up and running. And my machine would just completely stop responding for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And if I was like, what the hell's going on? So I went and looked and the OneDrive client was taking up over nine gigs of memory. And it, I mean, Chrome was just like, hey, we're only using one. So I'm like... Which is really saying something. Well, that, and that's what, caught, that's what caught my eye. And so I posted something to Twitter and I was like, man, what the hell is this all about? So a lady from the OneDrive team reached out to me on Twitter asked me to DM her. I DM'd her. She's like, do you want to talk like this? You want to talk over email? You want to talk on the phone? I'm like, oh, that's nice. Email, please. Gave her my email address. We started going back and forth. And she goes, can you give me, do I have permission on your email to look at the logs on our side from your instance? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. They're looking at it. She goes, I can see you're on this client. I can see a couple different instances coming in. You're on an older one. We did find a memory leak and we're rolling out a new one. If you would like, it's going to take about a month for it to roll out to everybody. But if you would like, here's a link to where you can install the latest one and let me know if it works. And I went through, installed it, told her I installed it. After about two days, after about a day, she reaches out and she goes, how's it going now? And I'm like, it's not showing up anywhere on my list of top used apps, but it still works great. It's like, it looks like you fixed the problem. Totally proactive and everything. It was a, it, that was one of the best customer support experiences I've ever had. That's great. So That's really good. I've called them out when I didn't like it. I'm calling them out when this is impressive. I'm liking more and more Teams and OneDrive. I'm That's very really happy with it. That's really good. I'm glad to hear they're making strides and doing a good job. Yep. So what you got for hey, back us? On, uh, back on Azure, they've got this new service called the Azure Bastion. So you know about Bastion hosts? No. Jump boxes? Oh, yes. You know, like... You might have a bunch of virtual machines in Azure and they're all privately networked together doing something and you want to be able to get into them either through RDP or SSH, right? And rather than putting those virtual machines on the public internet with a public IP so that you can SSH into them or what have you, you can set up a jump box, which is sort of more secure and it's it's the only thing with the outside connection that you SSH into that. And then you can use that to jump into your other virtual machines on a privately shared network connection, I guess, for want of a better word. Mm. So now Azure has a new service called Azure Bastion, which is the PaaS version of that. So you're able to deploy a Bastion host fully managed by Microsoft in a PaaS manner. So you just click a button and get a Bastion host 
that you can then RDP or SSH through. And the good bit apart about this is Microsoft will manage that bastion in terms of its hardening, its patch management. You won't have to worry about all that sort of stuff. And they'll basically apply all of the best practices for hardening a host on the internet so that you don't have to, and yet you can still get through to your machines. You obviously pay for that service, but you know we do this. We've got jump boxes to get to our stuff in Azure, and this is a great solution to um, rather than having to roll your own and manage those boxes and keep them patched and safe and all of that sort of stuff to be able to do it through a PaaS-type deployment. Pretty nice. Oh, that's very cool. That's a nice service to offer. I mean, to make it a little bit easier than automating and make something easier that you're already doing today, but nice to have an easier way to go about doing it. Yeah. So there's some nice features of that. So definitely go check that out if you're running some VMs in Azure. Cool. I have an update from Azure, specifically over on the Azure Monitor side. Back in October, Microsoft had announced a public preview for Azure Monitor for virtual machines, and they included support for monitoring virtual machine sales sets from that scale view under Azure Monitor. But now what they've done is in the middle of June, they announced a public preview for monitoring Windows and Linux VM scale sets from within the scale set resource blade. There's a lot of things you can do with this. You can do in-blade monitoring for your scale sets with like say the top in or aggregate or list views across the entire set. Drill down the experience. Uh, You can have a drill down experience to identify issues with particular instances of your scale sets. Uh, UI-based enablement for monitoring the scale set and the resource blade, policy to enable monitoring for your scale set. And there's even a bunch of examples so where you can implement this using different ARM templates. And there's a, there's a bunch of screenshots here in this blog post that I'm referencing where they show stuff around the performance view, around different maps where you can see where different VMs are talking to each other, different scale sets are talking to each other in their dependency graph. And then as well as workbooks, where they brought workbooks from Azure Monitor for scale sets for a virtual machine to the scale set view, which you can use those to query and monitor data that they collect to allow that you could then use to create custom reports to share with your team via the Azure portal. So cool improvements nice. they've made here with VMs with Azure Monitor for VM scale sets. Very nice. Not exactly our normal kind of news, but cloud-related nonetheless. Postman, you know, the tool that you use for playing around with APIs and REST calls and all that sort of stuff, HTTP client. Mm -hmm. Uh, They raised $50 million in a Series B recently. Postman? And yeah, yeah, crazy, huh? Series Mm -hmm. B. So they've already done their Series A. They've raised $58 million to date, and they're using it to expand their team and geographic deployment and customer experience and sales and all this sort of stuff. But it just got me thinking, like, these guys are obviously a great tool. They've got an amazing free offering for individuals. But you could also pay for their tool as well to get more sort of team-related features and stuff like that. But I just thought I'd call it out that you know, this is a tool I use, if not every day, then every second a day, probably, on average. <laughs> A lot, right? And it's great to see they're obviously making some headway and traction to raise money to to do all that sort of stuff. But it'll be great to see uh, you know more investment in the product and and so forth. It's a great tool. Very cool. For those of us familiar with ShareGate, we know they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now that we've all moved to the cloud, like me, you're probably thinking about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-serve environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, AKA Sprawl. That's why the folks at ShareGate developed ShareGate Apricot. 
It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 group governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. Their super simple to use in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, AKA no more sprawl. Want to get your hands on ShareGate Apricot? Try it free for 30 days at sharegate.com forward slash cloud show. Have you switched over to our out of Wonderlist over to the Microsoft to-do app yet? No, I haven't. It's not painful. I see. Are you being sarcastic? No. No, oh. actually, so I, I did it a while ago. <laughs> I couldn't tell. You had a no, no, very I'm, straight face there for a second. I was like, is he pulling my leg or not? What's the deal? No, it works. I mean, it's a lot, you know, it's manual. There's no like real migration to it. And I do like the app. I, I have noticed that it's a little slow on the sync. Like I noticed the sync isn't like a background thing. So I've seen where my wife and I use it when like for, we have a shared grocery list, we have a shared, a bunch of other shared lists and I have my own. And I've noticed when she's gone to the store and she's like, you know, I got these things and I hear her come back from the store and I look at my, my phone and I'm like, ah, crap, you totally forgot to get this, 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 and this. And I just stand there and I say something to her. She's like, yes, I got it. I go back and look at my phone and then I see it change right in front of me. I'm like, great. So it's kind of, you know, throwing me under the bus. There's a, a client for it on Windows. There's a client for it on iOS. There's an Android client. There's a website. And just this week, they have announced or released a Mac OS native client as well that's available to people. That's my attitude. Like, I would, it's another app to install, but the web app does everything I would need it to do. So I don't really understand yeah. what a native app is really going to do for me. Offline, perhaps? I don't know. I mean, it kind of does, but you also, it, so it can integrate. Like, if you have your tasks, the tasks that you have are, they're linked, they're like associated with Outlook tasks. And so you already kind of have them offline with Outlook because like when I get a, when I get a reminder, when I have a task that says it's due today at noon and remind me at noon, I get an Outlook reminder that says, hey, this is due at noon. And it's not on my calendar, it's coming from tasks. And so when I, I can dismiss the reminder and then go into either into Outlook or into to-do app and check it off and say it's done. But I don't know. I mean, I guess if you want a native client, hey, there's a native client for you. Hey, speaking of to-do apps, here's a question for you, AC, or here's a funny mm -hmm. anecdote. Programmer is going to the grocery store and his wife tells him, buy a gallon of milk, and if there are eggs, buy a dozen. So the programmer goes and buys everything and drives back to his house. How many gallons of milk did he come back with, AC? I've heard this. Want me to say it again? I lost the numbers. Buy a gallon of milk, and if there are eggs, buy a dozen. So the oh, programmer okay. goes, buys everything, and drives back to his house. How many gallons of milk did he come back with? A dozen. Oh, mate, you're off by one. Thirteen. Oh, by one. And then, oh, and, ah, oh, damn it. Buy a gallon of milk. And if there are eggs, buy a dozen. <laughs> he got I told me. my wife that. She looked at, Vicky just looked at me like, yeah, you're <laughs> stupid if you buy 13. <laughs> and like, you're like, yeah. It's programmer logic. Yeah. It's supposed anyway, to be fun too. I thought that was, I really like that. Okay, last bit of news before we move on. Microsoft acquired a company recently for all those developers out there called Paul Panda. Now, this is not your best mate who you used to go to the club with, who you were always really jealous of. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. That's... <laughs> 
a tool for yes it is <laughs> <laughs> this is a tool for helping you do code reviews <laughs> <laughs> the downside to sharing our video because I was totally cracking up while you were trying to keep talking. Yeah, so they've bought this company that basically helps you manage pull requests and code reviews. And that's sort of that workflow behind pull requests in GitHub. It's a really awesome tool. So I don't know if you've ever participated in an open source project that has used this before for doing their pull request reviews, but it's pretty awesome. And um, definitely go check it out. But the cool thing about it is they're making it free as of, as of today. So they announced the acquisition, Microsoft's making it free. And so you can go add it to your GitHub plan and um, they're discontinuing the enterprise plan subs- subscriptions. Everything's just going to be free and they're just going to roll it into GitHub by the looks of it. Really nice, really nice tool if you're running an open source project for managing your PRs. And the reviews. So, you know, like a PR comes in, somebody's got to get assigned to it. There's certain gates and things that have to be, that you have to go through. There's reminders that go out about managing your pulls, all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty sweet for help manage. Maybe you could use it on your um, PNP stuff that you're doing. I was just thinking that. I see it. I mean, it's all, it looks like it's like a lot of the notifications and reminders are mostly Slack-based. I would expect Mm. that would change soon. Yeah. This is cool. I had never heard of this. Pretty sweet, huh? Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, so it'll help you do your code reviews and your pull requests. Very cool. Good find. Hey, now we should get on to some picks before we wrap up. So why don't we hear from one of our great sponsors and we'll get straight into them. CJ's Hyperfish automates the collection of user profile information from users in organizational directories such as Office 365, SharePoint, Active Directory, and HR systems. The secure service supports on-premises, hybrid, and online environments. Bring your directory to life at hyperfish.com. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. What do you got for us this week, AC? I have a sentimental one. So in the racing world, last year, in IndyCar, there was a, uh, there's a guy named Robert Wickens, who was a rookie last year. And he was involved in a, he was doing absolutely fantastic his rookie season. And he was involved in a horrific accident uh, about mid-season at the Pocono Raceway. And he essentially, his car went airborne and then went up into the catch fence, which is just a chain link fence. And these things like turn your car into like, it's like a cheese grater almost. It just, it shreds the car. And he was like, spun him around and just, it was Mm. nasty. I remember the Um, crash. Yeah. The results from it, he broke both legs, both arms, uh, wrists, uh, I think ankle and ribs, but he also suffered a back injury as well and had some paralysis for for a period of time and he's still recovering from it. So my pick this week is, is an article by Road and Track and the article is titled The Long Rise of Robert Wickens. And he's very, very public about his rehab, sharing videos on, on Facebook, on Instagram. It's been really interesting to watch this whole, to watch his, his rehab. It's been fascinating. And then it's also equally, this article is really good and insightful behind it. So it's just, this is my pick. He's, he's an inspiration watching him and watching what he does in, in over the last year. I got to meet him last year. I got to meet him earlier this year as well, twice this year, going to two different races. But it's just, it's really cool. 
Yeah, I'd love to. I'm definitely going to read this. Sounds like a great story. I'd love to hear how he's doing. I have one. Uh, well, we have one from a listener as well as uh, myself this week. So my one is entitled In Truth Behind the Moon Landing, former astronaut Leland Melvin helps debunk conspiracy theories. And it's basically, a, I think it's a six-part, six-episode series that Leland Melvin is participating in on the Science Channel. And one of the episodes is about debunking conspiracy theories about the moon landing. And they've got a bunch of other topics as well, I think. So it just looks like I haven't actually watched the episode yet, but thought I'd point it out. Looks to be pretty good. He's, if you haven't watched One Strange Rock, it's a documentary that's narrated by Will Smith, but it has Leland Melvin in it and a bunch of other astronauts, including Commander Hadfield, May, oh gosh, I've forgotten her last name. There's a number of astronauts that feature in it. It was a really great series. And so this, he's, Leland Melvin is a great narrator and the ability to describe things in really clear detail. He's got an excellent uh, approach to that. So I think this looks really promising and I'm definitely going to watch it. Very cool. That's very cool. That's a, that's a great pick. Yeah, it debunks the top 10 most popular moon conspiracies. How about that? And from our guest listener pick this week, Ryan House sent us a link. Thank you, Ryan, to a project that Microsoft is working on where they're basically building an autonomous drone, like little flying drone kind of thing, using AI for reinforcement learning and figuring out different techniques for flying and rising on thermals and all sorts of stuff. And he's pointed us to a post that talks about this little drone that they've built. It's pretty small. I mean, it's not big, but there's some footage actually on their on their website of them flying over where I live. So <laughs> are testing it nearby. It's basically the size of a large dart. You know, it's not huge, right? It's not mm. like something massive is going to fall out of the sky and come through your living room or anything like that. So um, yeah, but they're testing it in uh, around Redmond and uh, things like that. So Pretty cool project. Man, Microsoft get up some really cool research projects. Yeah, this is called, was it Project Frigate Gate Bird? Frigate Bird. Frigate Bird. Oh, not, oh I, yeah, I threw an extra gate in there. What's neat about this is it's a, I mean, it's a fixed wing UAV, but the idea is to no fuel and to just stay aloft mm. by just using the thermals of, the like thermal updrafts and everything to be able in the wind to get its energy and to get its elevation. Awesome. It's really cool. This is a really cool concept. Yeah, so it's effectively a glider, right? Except unmanned and obviously yeah. very small. Pretty sweet. Yeah, so thank you, uh, Robert House. We will be in touch from your Facebook message that you sent us. We'll reply to that and we'll get your address and we'll send you out a solo photo to authentication key token, what do you call them? <laughs> AC, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. We'll be in person, catch up then, and uh, maybe we'll go see Apollo 11 together. I would love to do that. I hope you're available on Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure something out. I'll take this out or something. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, man. I will talk to you soon. Later. Later. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in iTunes. Word-of-mouth recommendations are the most effective ways for us to grow the show. We'd really appreciate it. 
If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as an MP3 or WAV file and provide a link so we can play your question on the show. Our theme music is brought to you by Keith Ritchie. For more information on Keith's music, head to music.kritchie.com. You can subscribe to us in iTunes and Google Play Store by searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or via RSS at microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll also find show notes of each episode. You can also find us on Facebook searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or on Twitter at MS Cloud Show. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to our website and entering your email to interact with us, participate in upcoming interviews, and other cool stuff. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.